I'm doing this between halftime of the Cavaliers and Boston Celtics game. Uh, I didn't plan it that way, but it worked out that way. So when I asked for some stocks to be reviewed uh, over the weekend, I got five stocks and one question. Right, so the five stocks that we're going to go over and review are Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble, Facebook, Amazon, and Apple. And then we'll go over uh, whether to use index. What I think about using index funds or exchange traded funds, and and the difference between uh, the two. As y'all know, whenever I'm doing this, this is just for educational purposes and informational purposes. It's not meant to be uh, investment advice. You need to seek your own counsel before uh, doing anything. But let's get straight to it. I got my notes here. So it's it's really, it's a lot of things I look at when I'm looking at a stock, but I kind of boiled it down to my five points that I'll go through to kind of walk you through what I'm thinking about when I'm looking at a different stock. And so the first thing is um, I'll, I'll look at the chart on... Um, on a, if you use Charles Schwab or Fidelity or whatever you use for your investment platform, uh, all of them will have a chart. Even Yahoo Finance has a chart. <clears throat> and so I am, my investment time frame is, is, is long term, but I'm not talking like 50 years. It's uh, a market cycle, right? It's uh, beginning of the economy healing to a recession, which is on average somewhere like five to seven years, but some are longer, some are shorter. This is just what the average is. But I'm I'm looking for what's called that boom to bust cycle. And so whenever I'm looking at charts, um, I'm looking at three to five year time frames. And so when you put up a chart, you can you can look at the <clears throat> look at the time frame in monthly increments, meaning uh, they will um, tell you um, uh, you can look at a monthly chart, which plots the average price for for that month. So January might be is one point, February is one point, um, and so I like to look at a ten month moving average, which which tracks the um, uh, the the price of the stock uh, on average over the last ten months, right? So it looks like ten months. You know, what's the average price over that ten month period of time? Um, and then, and then it plots that on a graph, uh, and I do a three or five year graph. Here, here's why that's important. Um, what I'm what I'm wanting to know first is is the stock trading above or below that ten month moving average? That's a good sign to know the trend, right? And investing, just like everything, it's like you have fashion trends, business trends, sports trends, economic trends. Um, you ha- uh, you can look at the trend of a stock and see if it's uh, relatively healthy uh, in a trend or unhealthy, and that tells you a lot about uh, what the market thinks about that stock. <clears throat> and I'm going real deep, so I'm trying to break down different parts as I get into it. When I say what the market thinks about that stock, uh, I love to use other people's research uh, when I'm looking at a stock. So in the stock market, you have all these smart people that write all these fancy firms of big computers and MBAs, and they're every single day trying to evaluate the price of a company. And so if you look at price, right, the price of a stock over a long period of time, 
it'll the market's going to be right like a lot of the time. It's hard to be more right than the collective uh, pricing power of the market. It's like <clears throat> it's like uh, if you're buying Jordans, right? Jordans are priced at the price that they sell for because buyers and sellers are willing to transact at that price, right? It's a lot of different transactions that allow people to get to the price, you know, but they sell for what they sell for because that's what the market dictates. Same thing with mortgage rates, same thing with iPhones. Like, as long as people, enough people are buying and selling them and are able to be competitive, right, that's, that's the price. And so stocks have prices, and I like to use prices uh, to get a lot of data on what, you know, what the effective pricing of the stock is. And so that moving average <clears throat> that I mentioned, the 10-month moving average, is a good way to get an idea of, uh, uh, of, of the stock, you know, the stock being healthy or not healthy. So first thing I'm looking at is, does it trade above or below that 10-month moving average? If it does not, I don't really even want to fool with it. So that's kind of the first hurdle. Uh, so if you look at Johnson & Johnson, uh, the first stock that I reviewed, right, the old school, uh, you know, once darling, now not doing as well. It, it was trading below that trend line, so it knocked it off. But I'm going to still go through and look at some other things. So then what I'm also looking at is what's the relative strength of that stock to um, a global stock index, right? So global stock index, the one that I use, and you can look it up as ACWI. What that basically is is um, a a benchmark of how the stocks around the world are doing. So just like you may say, hey, I want to know what uh, attorneys in Dallas with this amount of um, education, this amount of experience make, right? You can get a benchmark that buys stocks around the world that 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 that's the index used to benchmark how the global stock market is doing and so that's ACWI so what I want to know is over that same three to five year period of time uh, how is the stock trading relative to global stocks and if it's if it's weaker if the relative strength is weaker than a, a basket of global stocks uh, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy it either. If it's if it's <clears throat> if it's better, I'm gonna continue looking at it. Uh, Johnson and Johnson was um, trading lower uh, than the global stock index that I use, so that would have knocked it off as well. But I'm gonna keep going. So then I look at okay, what's the five year average revenue growth, right? And this is where I'm simplifying it. I also look at operating margin growth, operating margins. Um, operating income, operating income growth, uh, profit margins, but that's a little detail because it also depends on how it does relative to uh, other businesses. So I'm going to keep it real simple and just talk about the five-year revenue growth because that's basically going to tell you, are they increasing on sales? There's a lot of things that you can manipulate in margins and net income and earnings per share, all those geek terms that you got to learn about. Uh, and if you want to really know about um, I would I would highly encourage you to read um, <clears throat> uh, interpretations of financial statements, uh, a book written about Warren Buffett. So just Google interpretations of financial statements, Warren Buffett, and it'll pull up. He didn't write it, but somebody wrote it uh, who was close to him. It'll break down all the details on that. But <clears throat> if you just look at the five-year uh, revenue growth, it'll tell you if they're selling effectively, right? Because top, you know, revenue. 
top line growth is really important for seeing uh, for finding some good stocks. And so um, the five year revenue growth on Johnson and Johnson was two point six one a year. Meaning uh, they're growing their revenues at six point two point six one a year, which is not very impressive. So that that knocked them off as well. Um, <clears throat> One the, the 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 fourth thing that I look at, I think I said five. I think there's there's four things I look at, but five is all right. Looking at the trend of what's going on in the world, is this company up to date on how selling uh, uh, is effective um, in those trends? And 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 what's the trend right now? Right, the trends that I'm looking at, the things that are dominating the world is uh, companies that are helping save you time. Companies that are effectively selling using technology, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram influencers, um, companies that are um, disrupting industries, and Johnson and Johnson is not one of them. As a matter of fact, Johnson and Johnson is getting disrupted. Um, I got a question in while I was going through this. Um, Jocelyn says, "Are these topics covered in your book?" No, Jocelyn, my book is just very big picture: how to put together a plan, how to put together the core. Um, boring portfolio, well diversified. Um, it's gonna like make you have get, allow you to create a financial plan um, that will help you build wealth. Uh, but this uh, this stock selection stuff, you know, people still pick stocks. You know, I, I talk to all my clients about having a core portfolio or serious money, and this is money that you're gonna use for retirement, to educate your kids, and you want to use my book to build that money. But people, you, you may want to have 10, 20% of your total investment portfolio where you go uh, do some other things that are what I call more fancy where you're looking at stocks. You know, not not your serious money, but just itch you may want to scratch, uh, something that may can help you, if you're good at it, increase your returns over time. And this stuff is, is why I'm doing the group for more of that advanced stuff. That wasn't in my book. Hope that helps. Um, but let me get back to property. The good question. Let me get back to Procter and Gamble. So, um, so Johnson and Johnson was. Uh, I didn't really like it, like at all, personally. Procter, uh, based on my process, Procter and Gamble. Procter and Gamble uh, did not was was below the trend line, which knocks it off for me. Uh, it was trading um, uh, weaker at a weaker relative strength than the ACWI, the benchmark that I used. So that knocked it off. The five-year revenue growth was negative 4.52% a year. Um, and it was in the same boat as Johnson & Johnson. It's getting disruptive versus being disruptive and and being on this uh, current trend of, of companies that are doing well. Uh, the next company is going to be a great example of a company that is doing well on the trend and disrupting and saving time and has a, a huge what Warren Buffett calls moat, meaning if you took it off the planet, there's no big replacement. Uh, there's a few contenders. There's nobody who can do what they're doing currently at the moment. And that's Facebook. Uh, and by the way, I personally own Facebook. It's a stock that I own and I'm, and I'm continuing to buy. So I got to give that disclaimer. Um, but Facebook is above the trend line. Um, so it's above that 10 month um, moving average. It's trading above the ACWI index so it's stronger relative to the uh, global stock market the five-year revenue growth was 5.53 percent according to uh, the Morningstar data that I pulled um, and like I mentioned before uh, they're dominating 
here's what people I don't think realize about Facebook. Um, some people are using the ad products, but the huge companies, the big companies, the Johnson and Johnson, the Procter Proctor and Gamble, the Chase Banks, they're not really spending a lot of money on the platform. They're still spending a lot of money on TVs and stuff that's not as effective. Um, uh, and so as they start moving money over the Facebook platform, those revenues will get bigger. Uh, Facebook's also doing a big push to uh, challenge YouTube for videos. So they're doing, uh, they're creating, which is kind of, they're kind of becoming a hybrid. YouTube, Facebook, Amazon, and Netflix are kind of getting the same space for challenging Hollywood uh, on creating content and original programs. So Facebook's doing that, and that's not even priced into uh, what they're doing uh, or, or, you know, or their stock price. So Facebook's interesting in a lot of different ways, but outside of the speculation, it's just the fact that more big companies are going to use the ad product because it's it's kind of like early Google uh, Google Ads. You know, it's, it's it's effective, and more more companies are going to start using it. And as that they start using it, revenue goes up. It's great for the stock price, all things being equal. So I like Facebook. Obviously, I mentioned I own it, um, so it's good. It's good for me. Amazon. I don't even have to tell you guys about Amazon on dominating. I mean, they're dominating the retail market. Uh, they're dominating. Um, they're getting into healthcare. Uh, what I think people don't realize on the big picture, what Amazon's doing is this Alexa and them getting ahead of uh, on the voice thing is um, we're going to be using Alexa the same way people use Google, right? Because you think about it, the laws on texting and driving are changing. We're, we value fast, 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 fast. As a, as the speaking technology gets better, you know, it's faster to just say, Hey, um, hey, Alexa, uh, how do I, whatever, whatever you ask Google, you know, how do I make, um, gumbo or how do, and then Alexa spits it out or emails it to you. I was watching a TV show where the lady started her car, said, Hey, Alexa, started my car, right? It's crazy, but, um, the companies that are on that have an Alexa skill um, will uh, be companies that have an advantage to being the first things that pull up whenever you're asking Alexa for stuff. Same thing that Google, you know, has the things that pull up the sponsored ads, and then the um, uh, the other websites that pull up beyond sponsored ad. That's what Alexa is going to be. And that has not even been priced into the stock price of Amazon. There's, it's still pricing the fact that Amazon's still killing retailers. And they, they haven't even started killing retailers. They just killed Toys R Us, and that's the first of many uh, that are going to get crushed. And so, big picture, I'm super sold on, on Amazon. So let's look at the technicals. The trend line is way above the trend line. Um, uh, so that's, that's doing well. Although, just so you guys want to know in nuance, I like to buy when it's closer to the trend line than way above. Right now it's way above the trend line, which is why I haven't bought into Amazon. I like to wait until there's a correction, uh, and it's coming down close to the trend line, but still above it, and then start, and then start buying shares of, of the company I want to buy. So, um, it's trading, uh, at a, at a, at a stronger relative strength to, uh, AC, the global stock index that I use, ACWI, and the revenue growth is at 23.83% a year. And again, that's not counting the new business that they're getting into. That's going to, I believe, help that member continue to uh, look real healthy. So I like Amazon, Apple. Johnson, are these good? 
I know you asked these questions. I want to make sure that uh, uh, actually, I don't. I have Dawson. You didn't ask these questions. Uh, uh, Aisha did, um, um, but and I'm, and she's not in yet. But we'll we'll um, uh, go to the next one that Aisha asked for. So it's Apple, right? Apple, the darling of the early two thousands, really. You know, really early 2000s and, and it's carried for a long time. So Apple is above the trend line. Uh, it's above its relative strength is stronger than the global stock index. So that's a good sign. The revenue growth was 7.93% a year on average, which is like not, not bad. People might be thinking, well, Philip, what are you know, what are you looking at? You know, what are you looking at? Um, these numbers compared to where well, you want to compare it to other companies in the industry. You know, you want to compare it to. Um, uh, the growth rate of uh, global stocks compared to bonds, right? Without going too nerd on you, that's that's decent, like that's respectable, especially for the you know for the price of Apple, like it's good, um, and and it's above trend line and it's stronger relative strength. So Apple's um, a solid, you know, solid buy. Probably won't do as well as Facebook and Amazon, but a pretty solid buy, especially because they announced and I wrote a uh, did a video or something about this the. The hundred billion dollar of money they committed to buying back shares. Which what does that mean? <coughs> so when you have a limited amount of shares that are on the market, um, and when you have supply and demand, meaning um, things become more valuable if there's less supply or higher demand. Right, it stresses that. Uh, if you have a limited supply of shares, if you start if Apple starts buying back those shares and decreasing the amount of shares extent, uh, uh, outstanding. That makes the stock more valuable um, if you're a shareholder. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, with the fact that you know Steve Jobs died years ago, they haven't really innovated much with the new CEO. He's doing a good job, you know, milking milking the cow for what it's worth. But they're not doing a whole lot of innovation. They've tried to do different things, and you know, I think they're going to get into the content creation platform with Facebook, Netflix. Amazon, but I haven't heard much about what they're doing, but still pretty attractive because of everything else that they're doing uh, and and the buybacks. So those are my thoughts on those five stocks. You know, three of them I like, um, two of them I like a lot, uh, two of them I think are dogs. Um, so that's that's my two cents. I hope that answers your question, Aisha. Uh, so question that uh, Earl asked. ET exchange traded fund versus index fund. So what are the difference? First of all, an index fund is just uh, a fund that's going to track a benchmark. So let me, I mean, I explained benchmark before, but let me explain it again. A benchmark is the same as if you were want, if you wanted to know, all right, what's the average attorney with five years of experience of earn in Dallas? It gives you a, an idea of that. You can buy a, uh, indexes are created to give you an idea of if you wanted to know, hey, what are U.S. stocks on average earning over a period of time? What are marijuana stocks on our, on average earning? So they, cre- they create a basket of stocks that's called an index. You can just buy a fund that just buys the index, all the stocks that are in that index. And it's super low cost because you're not trying to pay a manager to pick the best stocks. You're just buying a basket. And it's super low cost. And there's all kinds of data that show that it's really hard for um, individuals investing in that in that market to beat the index because of cost and all the other competition. Exchange traded funds are just index funds that are traded on exchange. So index funds 
um, you're only and you want to Google all this stuff for the details if I miss something, but you're only able to buy and sell uh, an index fund that um, it's a mutual fund. You can only buy and sell a mutual index fund at the end of close. So if in the, if midday you wanted to sell something for whatever reason, you, you have to wait. It's less flexible. It's less flexible. An exchange traded funds you can buy and sell whenever you want to. Um, uh, so one benefit of ETFs over index funds and because index funds are um, are more liquid, they're slightly more expensive, but not much. You know, but slightly more expensive with that flexibility. But one benefit is the flexibility. Second deal is, uh, since there are more people who are looking for that flexibility, hedge funds, mutual funds, family offices, um, uh, there are more options and variety of um, ETFs than there are index funds. Meaning, you can you can buy. M- different types of basket of stocks and there's more of them using ETFs than index funds to put together a portfolio. Um, so it just depends on your strategy. You know, if there's something to be said at just, you know, buying a couple of index funds, hold them for the next 50 years and you'll do better than most because most invest with emotions and they get out when the market's scary and hop in when the market's not so scary and that takes away from money. Uh, in their account over time. And so if you bought index funds and just held them and did nothing for the next 30, 40 years, right, that would be a decent strategy. Uh, ETFs help you do like what I'm doing. If I'm trading, uh, investing uh, in the um, economic environment, so from boom to bust, from um, from the, the, the start of an economy being healthy to the recession, I need ETFs for that because they're more flexible if I need to make a chance throughout the day for whatever reason, you know, I can. I like the variety of options um, so that I could either be more diversified or implement a strategy that I think uh, might be more effective and might allow us to pick up and make more money over time. Um, but both of them are effective. It depends on your time frame, what strategy you're using. But I think you can do really well uh, with both. I don't think, and the question was teed up with... Um, Trading ETFs daily, like I don't think you should. Some people trade it. A lot of people trade ETFs daily. I don't. I don't think it's a wise idea because it increasing trading costs. But if you if you want to reduce trading costs, however you do it, there's a lot of companies like Charles Schwab that will allow you to if you trade their ETFs, uh, you don't pay any commission as long as you use their ETFs because you're paying them a fee for using their uh, their ETFs. Or a lot of these robo advisors like Betterment, Wealthfront. Uh, Acorn that build up model ETF portfolios. A lot of them are giving you flexibility to um, create your own models, um, and they don't charge you commission. They do charge you a fee for using their platform, um, um, but you don't pay commissions, uh, and you can um, make decisions on the ETF portfolio uh, using their platform. So, uh, a lot of different options, a lot of different ways. Both of them are good, but those are the uh, big differences. Big differences between the two. Um, I hope this was helpful. Y'all, please let me know if it is. Because uh, I'm trying to produce content in this group that people think are relevant. I'm recording this uh, for the podcast. I'm going to drop it for extra content. And as I, uh, if you guys, Jocelyn asked about my book. If you haven't bought it, you can get it on Amazon or at philipwashingtonjr.com. That book is going to literally allow you to sit down and in an hour or two, Know what you know to 
create your core portfolio, your boring portfolio that's going to build your serious money for retirement and college education. Um, I'm glad I answered your question, Earl. Uh, but um, but that's uh, that's what that book is for. Uh, you can download the podcast on Podbean app, iTunes, Google Play. Um, investing involves risk. This is for informational educational purposes, not meant to be investment advice. You need to seek your own counsel before you do that. Investing involves risk and you can lose money. Uh, I am about to get back to this Cavaliers game if nobody has any more questions. I'm going to do this every Tuesday at 8.30. So if you have any stocks, uh, ETFs you want me to review, please send them to me. Drop them in the comment. In between now and then, feel free to share any articles, anything that you're reading in the group that's interesting around investing. This is not meant for me to just talk. Um, this is meant to uh, build a community of folks that want to get more knowledgeable on, on investing. Uh, Y'all have a good evening.